This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, May 26th, 2023. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, the 50th anniversary of the European Trade Union Confederation, the dangerous effects of heat at work, the Labour Start report about union events and singing. This is Radio Labour. The European Trade Union Confederation celebrated its 50th anniversary this week at its Congress in Berlin. The ETUC represents some 45 million unionized workers in 39 countries. It produced a video of its accomplishments since its last Congress in 2019. The ETUC has put collective bargaining and social dialogue at the centre of our defence of workers' rights, living standards, equality, inclusion and democracy. It's been an extraordinary time of war, pandemic and a huge cost of living crisis. But our collective efforts have achieved important gains for working people. Strong interventions by the ETUC and other union organisations led the EU to agree large-scale COVID supports worth billions of euro, including the Next Generation EU programme, the Shaw Scheme and an 800 billion euro EU recovery plan, the EU's largest ever stimulus package. These helped protect jobs, incomes and workers' health during and after the pandemic. Constant and consistent ETUC mobilisation also saw the EU directive on adequate minimum wages becoming a reality last year. Thanks to our work, the directive will strengthen and defend the right to collective bargaining throughout the EU, as well as supporting adequate statutory minimum wages. With the adoption of the Gender Pay Transparency Directive, our long-standing campaign for equal pay made good progress too. With more rights to challenge pay discrimination, it's a significant new tool in the fight against the gender pay gap. The ETUC also supported the ratification of the ILO's 2019 Violence and Harassment Convention, an important tool in the fight against gender-based violence. And we adopted a resolution on the draft EU Directive on Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence as part of our continued advocacy for workplaces safe from violence and harassment. More broadly, we achieved the adoption of an action plan for implementation of the European Pillar of Social Rights. And we're working to make sure this plan is fully implemented. New business models and technological shifts like automation, AI and platform work are changing workplaces faster than ever. That's why we prioritise the negotiation of a social partner digitalization framework. Now, we're in talks on telework regulation and the right to disconnect. And thanks to the union action, the European Parliament has endorsed a progressive position on an EU directive for improving working conditions in platform work. We're urging the Council to match this ambition and stamp out bogus self-employment and precariousness once and for all. We're also leading the campaign to make businesses accountable on workers' rights through a directive on corporate sustainability due diligence. 
And the ETUC's Democracy at Work project has put workplace democracy back on the agenda, winning strong cross-party support for progressive revisions to the EWC directive and a new framework on information, consultation and board-level representation in the European Parliament. In the urgent struggle for climate action, we won agreement on the creation of a 17.5 billion euro just transition fund to support coal regions and other carbon-intensive industries. And with the ITUC, we pushed for just transition principles and objectives to be included in COP25, 26 and 27. Meanwhile, our European project on adaptation to climate change has highlighted the workplace consequences of global heating at company, regional, sectoral, national and European level. On health and safety, the ETUC's Zero Death at Work campaign won strong support for our demand for an end to workplace fatalities by 2030. Unions also ensured that the Commission recognised COVID as an occupational disease in the health and care sectors. While over a million workers will benefit from new EU protections against cancer and asbestos at work. The effect of high heat on workers and their workplaces is becoming more dangerous as the planet's climate warms because of human activity. Hotter than usual days and nights are becoming more common and heat waves are expected to become more frequent and intense. Global temperature is projected to warm by about 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2050, but there are warnings that it could be much higher. To illustrate the effect of intense heat on workers, the World of Work video program of the International Labour Organization produced a show. It was hosted by Sophie Fisher, a senior communications officer at the ILO. In this program, we'll be looking at heat stress. As global temperatures rise, how can workers and businesses adjust to the impact of heat on the world of work? An ILO delegation attended the International Conference on Occupational Heat Stress in Doha, Qatar. The event brought together international experts, government officials, workers and employers' organisations. They discussed ways to prevent and mitigate the effects of heat stress on workers. The ILO has published a report on the subject, Working on a Warmer Planet. I'm joined now by the lead author of that report, Catherine Saget. Catherine is Senior Technical Specialist and Team Leader at the ILO's Research Department. Catherine, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. In your report, you estimated that heat stress could lead to the loss of 80 million full-time jobs and global economic losses of 2.4 trillion by 2030. Now, that report was produced in 2019. Since then, do you think the situation's got better or worse? Well, these estimates are based on a 1.5 Celsius uh, scenario of increase in temperature, so a rather optimistic scenario of climate change. On the other hand, awareness of heat stress is much higher today, and many adaptation measures to protect workers' health have been taken. In fact, most adaptation measures to heat stress have been taken over the past five years, that is, after the release of our report. This is why our research department is working on a new report to produce new estimates and to analyse these measures in collaboration with colleagues from Labanwin, Osh and other departments. Some people may not quite understand what we mean by heat stress here, I mean, compared to to simply being outside in in hot weather. So what exactly do we mean and 
Why is it dangerous for workers? Well, a natural defense of a body exposed to heat stress is to slow down, to take more breaks and to limit the number of working hours. But at higher temperature and at prolonged uh, period of exposure, heat stress can lead to exhaustion, it can lead to permanent disability, it can even lead to death. And especially uh, the elderly, uh, small children, uh, workers with a precondition uh, are more um, sensitive to heat stress. But, but in fact, and I think this is worth mentioning, it seems that there's a great diversity amongst workers in how they uh, adapt to heat stress independently of these factors. This is why a precautionary approach is recommended to make sure that, you know, nobody is at uh, a risk of having his or her health damaged. Right, okay. Now, before we did this interview, we ran a quick poll with some of our viewers and we asked them, have they ever experienced work at temperatures in excess of 30 degrees? Now, 80%, more than 80% said yes, they had. So clearly, this is a major issue for workers. So what kind of advice could you give to individual workers who want to try and mitigate the risks now? What, what can people do for themselves? I think that most of us have experienced uh, the occasional discomfort of working under high temperature or just coming to work under high temperature. And in this situation, the most uh, immediate measures that can be taken is to stay in the shadow or at least cover your head, stay hydrated and take frequent breaks. It is also a good idea to check around us and see if other people, other colleagues are in need of help. Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top story section included links to first the news that Jim Sitar and five other Cambodian union leaders have been sentenced to prison terms for leading a strike by casino workers, and then to the statements condemning the blatantly political judgment and their sentencing from the ITUC, global union federations, and national centres like the Australian Council of Trade Unions. And, of course, from NGOs such as Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch. Other top stories this week included pieces on the state of labour rights in Russian-occupied Ukraine, the surge in strike scene in China when COVID rules were loosened, and how gender equality and climate justice are linked. A random sample from our news pages includes articles on the ways in which unions around the globe are responding to the challenges posed by the management of workers by artificial intelligence, the union victory in a three-decades-long lawsuit against a large employer in Brazil, and the first-ever walkout by care workers in Slovenia. We're carrying a great deal of coverage of wage struggles around the world, from the 40% increase just won by Nepali journalists to the strikes in Argentina that are seeing workers there winning increases of over 100% as they fight to compensate for the effects of inflation. But my favorite top story of the week came from Finland, where a new union has been formed by and for food couriers. This week, our Working Women news page carried a piece about the women university professors in Mexico who are fighting to have the results of a union selection ballot respected by their employer, one about new legislation in the Indian state of Kerala, which will, for the first time, provide labor rights and protections to domestic workers, and a report detailing the ways in which women gig workers in China are discriminated against by platform employers. 
Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week include how the cholera outbreak in South Africa is affecting workers generally, but specifically the healthcare workers trying to cope with it. Why Canadian unions are having to fight to gain access to a report on a fatal construction accident that took place over a year ago. And the news that the worldwide epidemic of violence directed at public transport workers has spread to New Zealand and what unions there are doing about it. Our current photo of the week is a shot of Starbucks coffee workers in the United States, where these workers are providing hope for a surge in organizing across all sectors. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here are the low-tide drifters with, we just come to work here, we don't come to die. I've been working here for 15 years, and I've seen some. That's it. Labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.